In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. May 15th, 2010 started out as a beautiful day in every way possible. The three of us were in Long Beach, California for a celebration, and both the weather and the event for the day couldn't have been brighter, filled with hope and excitement. A friend from my doctoral program, the Reverend Diane Bruce, along with the Reverend Mary Glasspool, were both about to be consecrated as suffragan bishops in the Episcopal Diocese of Los Angeles. Diane had invited Kim and Taylor and me to come as her guests and to sit in the reserved section for family and friends at the Long Beach Convention Center, where the service was going to be held for 15,000 people. We arrived an hour before the service and were escorted to a special entrance at the back of the building. It had been roped off and only those who were on a guest list were allowed to pass through those doors. What happened next was simply horrifying. As we came around the building, the crowd control barrier ropes were lined with protesters. You see, since 1988, the Episcopal Church has consecrated female bishops, but on this day, on this day, Mary Glasspool would be consecrated as the first openly gay woman to be consecrated as a bishop in our denomination. And these protesters were not happy about it. They had signs and bullhorns and were shouting awful, hateful, spiteful epithets. I remember Kim and I putting our then 10-year-old beautiful Taylor between us and grabbing her by the hands and walking quickly as we could through the, into the building. It was awful, but the worst was still yet to come. We were shown to our seats in a special reserve section right in the front of the arena. And shortly after the wonderful service began, something else happened. In the liturgy for consecrating a bishop, there is a presentation of those to be ordained and not like in a celebration of marriage, the following statement is made. If any one of you know any reason why we should not proceed, let it be known now. And that's when it happened. Sitting two rows ahead of us, in the reserved section, a man and what must have been his son, no older than Taylor, jumped up and somehow pulled out big poster board signs and started yelling their disapproval. Within seconds, security guards swooped into our section and without touching the man and his son, ushered them out of the building but not before we scooped Taylor up in our arms and created a little cocoon of Tucker Gray family trying to hold each other safe. Things quieted down quite quickly and the rest of the service continued. And two hours later, history was made in the Episcopal Church. I wrestled with whether or not I should tell that story today, not only because it takes a few extra minutes to tell, but because it's a very personal story and one that puts my family in the spotlight, not something I'm comfortable doing most of the time. I also wrestled with it because so many have suffered so much worse, physical violence, long-term emotional scars, and even death perpetrated by those expressing hate and disdain for another they consider other 
and are fearful of and therefore cannot abide by. But after sitting with this morning's gospel text from Luke, it kept coming back to me again and again as the challenge that Jesus sets before us today. If you were here last week and heard Jesus implore his disciples and us, I believe by extension, to love one another as I have loved you, well, this week is perhaps even harder to embody. Today we hear Jesus' version of what others call the golden rule when he says, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, do to others as you would have them do to you. Over the years, I have wrestled mightily with how to live out this mandate, this mandate of a truly all-inclusive love. I get it theoretically. I get it intellectually, of course. But in moments like that day in 2010, when the rubber hits the road, how is that even possible? What do we do when there are people and issues that are so contrary to our most basic sense of human dignity and morality that we can't even fathom being in the same room with them, let alone loving them, blessing them, praying for them, or even forgiving them? I sat with that question for a long time this week. And at some point I remember thinking, well, what have others done that might help us shed some light on this challenge today? And then I remembered. I remembered something that happened almost exactly a year ago in the wider Episcopal Church. The Washington National Cathedral got itself into a hot mess just about a year ago when it invited evangelical megachurch pastor Max Lucado to be a guest preacher. Within moments of announcing that invitation on Facebook, members of the LGBTQIA community started a petition urging the cathedral to rescind that invitation. Lucado has taught and perpetuated dehumanizing messages, including written comments calling homosexuality a sexual sin and outlining a biblical argument against gay marriage while suggesting it could, be, could open the door to legalizing polygamy or incest. It blew up on the internet, and people on all sides were weighing in with a wide range of opinions. It was what I thought a perfect storm for us to look at today. An awful yet poignant example of the spiritual quandary we find ourselves in when sitting with Jesus's words from the Gospel of Luke. So what happened? Well, on February 7th, 2021, Max Lucado was indeed the preacher for their virtual online service. But other things happened as well. Three days later, both the Dean of the Cathedral, Randy Hollerith, and the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Washington, Marianne Buddy, both issued letters of apology, acknowledging their mistakes and their desire to seek forgiveness from the community and seeking understanding and learning from the LGBTQIA community. None of that was too surprising, felt pretty tame actually, and very proper as we Episcopalians often strive to be. 
but something else worth noticing happened that day. And that something else was the presence and gospel witness of the now-retired Bishop of New Hampshire, the Right Reverend Jean Robinson. You may recall that Bishop Robinson was ordained in 2003 as the first openly gay bishop in the Episcopal Church. It was a tipping point moment for our denomination. Once that train had left the station, there was no going back. We were on a path to fuller inclusion for all the world to see, and some people within our denomination were not happy and left the church in the coming months and years. Bishop Robinson tells the story of putting on and then wearing a bulletproof Kevlar vest for both his consecration that day and the rest of the days of his ministry as an openly gay bishop in the Episcopal Church. He's now retired and lives in the Washington, D.C. area. He was invited that day in February 2021 to preside at the Eucharist at that service, and he chose to share a few personal words at the time of the offertory. So at the risk of making this an unconventionally long sermon for an Episcopalian, I want you to see and hear what he said in that moment. Because when he helps give words and witness to the reality of such a spiritual quandary, I think he provides insight for us as well. He is, and his life has been, a central message of God's all-inclusive love, and I want you to hear what he has to say today. One more thing before we show the clip. In this clip, he references Matthew Shepard. In 1998, you will remember that Matthew was the student at the University of Wyoming who was brutalized for being gay and died six days later from severe head injuries received from that brutal beating. Matthew had been an Episcopalian, and 20 years later, in 2018, his family asked for his ashes to be interred at Washington National Cathedral because they thought that that church would be a safe and welcoming place. And it was Bishop Robinson who preached at that beautiful memorial service. Bishop Robinson had walked with Dennis and Judy during their time of grief as parents, and he gave a specially touching witness at that memorial service. So be mindful of all of that when you hear his words this morning. Good morning, and let me add my welcome to all of you. I hope you'll permit me this one personal reflection. I promise it won't be another sermon. I know that a lot of you, especially LGBTQ people, have been in pain over the cathedral's invitation to Max Vicato to preach this morning. And some of you have wondered why in the world I would agree to come here this morning. So I can't tell you what to think or do, but I can tell you why I am doing what I'm doing. Why this morning I stand with the Washington National Cathedral and its leadership in this particular moment. 
And I do that because I know for a fact that the real mission of this place is to be a house of prayer for all people. And those of us who are LGBTQ know how slippery that word all can be because far too often we have not been included in it. I know this place and I know that it is true to its mission in trying the best it can to include all of the people of God, all. And sometimes that includes people we don't agree with much at all. And to be honest with you, I'd never heard of Max Lucado, and I apologize to him for that. But I did know that I wanted to be here in this moment because I want to be a part of this place being a house of prayer for all. There are two things that we are told in seminary that we are to be uh, as an ordained person. We are told that we are to be both a prophet and a priest or a pastor. And it's really hard to do both of those things. As a prophet, to, to criticize and critique the culture, to criticize the values that we see around us, to call people to account for what they've said and what they've done and, and the ramifications of what they have said and done. Our nation is going through that right now, trying to hold accountable people for their actions. But at the same time, we're called upon to be pastors, to love, even our enemies. Now, it would seem that those two things are at odds with each other, and actually they are, except we're called to be both things. We're called upon to offer that critique, to get angry, to demonstrate, to sign petitions, to march in the streets for what is right and just. And somehow, to reach out to those we criticize for reconciliation. This place, this beautiful cathedral, and, and the church universal is in the reconciling business. And while there are times that we will get angry and out of our righteous anger critique the culture in which we live, we're also called to reach out in love. It's hard being both a prophet and a pastor. And yet, it seems to me that all of us who follow Jesus Christ are, are called to be both. And one doesn't negate the other. They actually complement each other. And lastly, I know that some of you have thought that inviting Reverend Lucado to preach was a disservice or a dishonor to Matthew Shepard, whom most of you know it was my great honor to lay his ashes to rest in this beautiful place for the rest of time.
I think those of you who know me know that I would do nothing to dishonor Matthew and his memory. But let me just say this carefully to those of us who are LGBTQ. While a lot of us are still in pain, while a lot of us have experienced some awful things in our lives, we've won. We've won. We know how this is going to end. This is going to end with the full inclusion of gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer people, non-binary people, all kinds of people in the church and into the society. We work every day to make that true. But we know how it ends. Now, the world isn't perfect yet, and there's a lot of work to be done. And there are a lot of conversations to be had with people like Reverend Lucado. But we know how it's going to end. And at least for me, it gives me permission to be just a bit gentler, to be an instrument of God's grace. I know we've won, and it'll take a while for everyone to agree that we are God's children as well. But between now and then, because I know where this is headed, I can also be a pastor. To the people on another day, I will critique and criticize and be damned angry at. Sometimes I fall on one side of that or the other, but I know I'm called to be both. I'm here because I believe this cathedral understands that we need to be both. And I stand with them. And I stand with you. And may God have mercy on us. You see, friends, we are not alone or unique in this journey. And at times like this, I find it helpful to lean into a cloud of witnesses who can help us along the way. On good days, I want to believe with my whole heart that we have, as Bishop Robinson has said, have already won. That there is strength and courage enough to live into God's dream for a truly all-inclusive love as our primary ethic. So maybe, maybe rather than hear Jesus's words in the Gospel of Luke as impossible commands ensuring our inevitable failure, maybe today we could hear these words as aspirational beacons guiding our way and lighting the path that we are trying to walk as followers of the way. When looked at through an aspirational lens, I can hear the words that Bishop Robinson offered to the community last year, reminding us that love has already won. Maybe today's invitation is simply to be reminded 
of the call in all of our lives to be both and. Both, both prophetic, courageous agents speaking out for justice and dignity and equity for all, and pastoral, tender-hearted disciples willing to bear our souls and stand with others in their grief and pain, willing to listen and look out for the lost and the least of these. I can think of no better way to end this morning than by sharing the words of a then 19-year-old student at Harvard when he was a sophomore and writing for a student leader guide in 1968. It is titled, The Paradoxical Commandments, and since then has spread to millions all over the world, including making its way to a framed, framed copy in Mother Teresa's Children House in Calcutta. May we hear these words together today, infused with the challenge they imply. I know who I will have in my heart as I try to take them in. For whom are you called to love and pray and bless? The Paradoxical Commandments. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What we spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack us if we help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. And my beloved friends, may you never forget that you are loved. May it be so.